Live Sound Bootcamp, brought to you by Rational Acoustics, developer of Smart, the industry's leading sound system measurement and optimization platform. Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. I'm Ryan John, and with me always is my co-hosts, Brendan Draper and Joe Santarpia. Today, we're going to talk about the lost art of live sound. <laughs> yeah. The, the, land of, the land of the lost. The land before time. The time before yeah. land. Take me back to the Green Valley, Ryan. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that, and I can't even remember how long. Sounds like a, What was that other one with like the little dinosaur? Do you know what I'm talking about? The TV Maybe show, that was a land. The TV show Dinosaurs with the baby? No, that was like one of the greatest things dinosaurs. of all time. Yeah, oh, so yeah. good. I can't get my wife to watch that with me. She refuses. <laughs> You've watched it recently? Is it still funny? I tried to put it on. She was like, no, absolutely not. not watching this. It was even, not, not even into the show, just in the intro. <laughs> I mean, it was essentially a, like, a kind of bad sitcom. Yeah. yeah but it just yeah. had dinosaurs. People in dinosaurs. What, what was the baby's name? Baby St. Clair or whatever? Oh, I don't know. I just remember saying, I'm the baby. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Baby St. Clair, oh I think. Oh, my God. Dude, so yeah, messed up. I, he was like kind evil. of entertained to... Yeah, yeah, that's what I recall too. <laughs> yeah. I I think I might enjoy watching those right now and Dude, I'm gonna, it's probably going to be terrible. You know when you watch old shows and you watch up. them like yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a handful of shows I've watched recently where I'm like, no, these ones were actually good. And then there's everything else. Yeah, I think there's a reason like it's not aired on channel, you know, you don't see it randomly on TV today. Then again, maybe it is. I don't know. I haven't had cable for a while, so I'm just assuming. Uh, no yeah, one talks well, about it. Except for us, right? Right. Yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. Well, then on the other end of thing, you know, you got you got like Fresh Prince or something like that, and right. it's still amazing. Yeah. You watch it today, and it's it's hilarious. Right. So, uh, speaking of timeless classics, uh, today we're going to talk about snapshots and automation. We're going to turn no? your mixes Ooh. into timeless classics with Ooh, by by saving them. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna shave them. <laughs> we're gonna. Sh- <laughs> yeah. Clearly, we have not uh, hung out much or done a podcast lately because we have no idea what we're, what we're doing I don't anymore. Know what's going on? <laughs> no, but we're we're, we're going to talk we... about snapshots and automation. We're going to jump into you know what is you know what is automation in in the context of live sound. What are snapshots? What are scenes? Why is it scary? How is it different between you know front of house monitors, theater workflows, uh, and how you build them for the show? Because even that uh, is is a little different, I believe, for each of us. We all kind of do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Every console so, does it that you know that you can do true. it on does it a little bit differently. So it's true. We'll, we'll it's get true. into some of the differences, you know, loosely and yeah. You know. No, no, no. I'll just gripe really bad about one console and how I hate how it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I think how that's how that's how it's gonna go. Yep. So. Joe, why don't why don't you start? Tell me what is a snapshot or or scene? Yeah, so th- those are you know uh, a snapshot is kind of typically associated with something that's a sub uh, kind of like a sub uh, sort of file to the show file, if you will. Um, there's a lot of confusion with the differences. You know, there's generally there's like a parent show file um, as it's referred to on most consoles, and then within that there's something you could do called a snapshot um, or a scene. Some I, what's up? I, I was not, not to interrupt, but I think it's just important to say right off the top that the nomenclature between consoles differs. It's, some it's differs. different. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Exactly. So, so, uh, an X32 calls a scene, a show file, essentially. What we are referring to as a show file, a scene. 
you know, whereas other <laughs> consoles might refer to uh, uh, what we a snapshot, gen- a snapshot as a of scene. the scene. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, um, it generally, though, the snapshot is a you know below in the file structure a show file, meaning the show file yeah. contains snapshots and not vice versa. That, right. Yeah. No, I th- I, th- I think that's right. Uh, I think I think a good way to kind of break it down is that a snapshot or scene, depending on which which context we're talking <laughs> yeah. about, but this this kind of sub thing uh, is a capture of a moment in time of a bunch of settings, right? right. And that bunch of settings you can choose. Um, it may be fader levels. It may be mute states for all your channels. It may be EQs. It may be dynamics. It may be aux sends. It may be pans. And it could be all your channels. It could be some of your channels. Yes. And that is all captured in a snapshot or a scene. And I guess the difference between that and a show file is that your show file is not related to a moment in time. It is It is your preferences. It is your options. It is all your channel names, all your settings and stuff, and it is everything. And you don't get to pick that this is just maybe my my snare drum or just maybe these couple channels. It is the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the snapshots and scenes, you actually get to pick the parameters that you're you're saving into it, and you get to pick which channels it's uh, affecting. Right, so generally as you go down in file structure, as you get narrower, the like parameters you can choose to affect or to change yeah, to save or get not more to save. it gets more granular right like as you go yeah. down in the, the file structure yeah right and there are exceptions to that like the console i hate right <laughs> are we ever going to just take the plunge no we shouldn't no, take no, the plunge no, no. people will figure it out anyway people people will figure it out that there is a console that absolutely ruins your life if you don't save both, both the show them. file and a scene yeah and then the show file again yeah some people call that <laughs> user error though you know. Yeah, of course. of course. You could argue that that is user error because somewhere in a manual somewhere it tells you that you need to do that. But there's also a scene on that desk where if you recall it, it pops up a warning that says you might lose your job if you hit okay. It actually does that. Do you recall? Do you remember that? There it says you might lose your job? Yeah, it literally says that when you wow. recall that scene. I don't know if I've uh Anyways. I, yeah. Saw that version. Anyways, We'll, we'll move past this, but, yes. okay, so show file kind of covers everything in general, with the yeah. exception of this console, and then snapshots or scenes inside of a show file cover a subset of parameters that you get to choose over a subset of channels that you get to choose. Yeah, yeah. So so why is this a scary thing? Because this is scary to most well, people. Re- real real quick, sorry, just, just going back to the differences again, just, just one more thing. Uh to load a snapshot versus a show file, generally you you probably have to break audio for cer- for certain to load a show file, whereas you might not have to with a snapshot or that's a true. Scene. That's true. That's just another, yeah. something to mention. Yeah, when you're loading a file, since you're loading all these preferences and stuff, very often you are kind of stopping your audio engine, if you will, while you do it. Um, you may even be reconfiguring the audio engine with a different number of buses, exactly. different number of matrices, all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas a scene or a snapshot tends to be just loading parameters on top of the current audio engine. Yeah. So you can usually keep passing audio while you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even say usually. I'd say I don't think there's a single console that exists right now that has a snapshot or scene system that doesn't let you just continue passing audio. So you yeah. can do that in real time during a show. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, sorry, Brendan, you were going to say something? Oh, I was going to jump into why it's scary, but I mean, the things you guys are well, talking about. Well, tell me why it's scary. I mean, one of yeah. the things is, are you going to, especially when you're first starting out, like, 
is this going to drop audio when I switch scenes yeah. or when I yeah. switch snapshots? Yeah. Like what? You, what? Yeah. What the you, hell is going to happen when I? Hit you that might button? not know when you're at, and when you're approaching it for the first time. The other thing is like, am I going to lose everything I just did? Yeah. And yeah. not be able to get yeah. back. That's kind of the the main you know uh, focus of all the fear. You know, is like when I hit this button, is is it going to store properly or is it gone forever? You know. Yeah. And like. I'm I'm four songs in saving, or I'm eight <laughs> songs in, and then I realize like, oh shit, did I, did I scope all that stuff? Did I like do all the settings right? Yeah, yeah, and and to be honest, I mean, I've been using snapshots for what I don't know, fifteen years or something, and it still scares me the first time I hit that next button. Mm-hmm. It 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 you you know this sweat dripping off my finger when I'm like, oh god, oh god, oh god, I go, all right, let's yeah. go. Especially if it's the first show on a tour or something like that. Yeah. Because in rehearsals, I mute all sorts of things and do all sorts of dumb stuff because it's rehearsal. And if I maybe accidentally save that, <laughs> and then on that first show, when I hit next, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so. so I guess I guess be meticulous. You know, the lesson from that is be meticulous in how you organize everything and be ultra, ultra aware of, of what you're doing, you know when you hit those buttons as, as much as you can anyway also you know? like right. t- test it out make a dummy scene yeah right make that's, like that's save ads yeah you know? save 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 a copy save another one make some changes then go back and forth and be like oh yeah, yeah. all the changes worked or like no they didn't like what what am i doing wrong here you know yeah ge- generally you are limitless with the about with the amount of backups you can have so do that right. that's actually a great great point brennan um, well that, l- let's let's get into that as we talk about how we build them because i think that you know you know, both Brendan, you and myself, like we've, we both have this little bit of fear when we run them yet somehow you and I have found some way to get through this where we're not scared of it. Yeah. Good point. Maybe. Um, so (laughs) maybe (laughs) he's, he's like sweating, (laughs) waiting for a a monster to pop out of the console screams. How are they useful? Oh man. Like, like why would you, why would you want to use this? I mean, the main thing is like, you can change an, I want to say infinite, but a lot of different changes at exactly yeah. one moment. Yeah. You know, you only you've, right. you've only got two hands. You've only got ten fingers. Like you can't really change like all your dynamic processing or like change all your monitor sends for everybody for like sixty four channels in yeah. like right. one press of a button. You know? Yeah, one one of the biggest like you know. Uh, problems people had coming from analog you know over to digital is like oh it's not all right in front of me i can't like see it all at once i gotta like bank through all this shit to to get to where they need to go you know and and can't like do it all at once well this is exactly the like answer to that you can do it all at once you just you know you set it up one way store it set up set it up another way store it um, and then you can go between them and you know for clarity this is not a digital only thing i mean there are analog desks that have scene recall totally and when you hit the scene it maybe just does mutes or on some of the later desks it does mutes and maybe dca assignments Mm -hmm. right the idea is that you can do more things with one press than you can with the fingers that you have available to you Mm -hmm. and in the context of digital world uh, you may have many layers of channels and if you have many layers of channels you may need to go and dig deep into those layers to get to things to make those changes because maybe it's like Maybe it's a channel you just, it, it's just not that important most of the time, but then for this song, it needs to be unmuted, or this song, it needs to be turned up, or this song, you need to add a heap of reverb to that chimes microphone. Woo. Um, yeah, yeah. 
They sound like they're in a hallway or in a cave or whatever. But um, in those contexts, it's too hard for you to try and do all those things at once and also do them consistently night to night. If you're doing this stuff manually, you might be, you know, spinning up some, an aux end for some reverb or adding time or this or that. But if you're doing it manually every day, you're not going to be doing it exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And for me, I view the job as being able to deliver a consistent show to the audience night after night. So things like snapshots, where it is exactly a 2.2 second reverb time every time I hit that snapshot, or the tempo is exactly 118 BPM, which is exactly what the band is playing to. Mm-hmm. Then when I hit that snapshot, I know it's dead on and it's the same as it was previously, as opposed to me guessing by kind of trying to spin it up as close as possible. I, I think yeah. snapshots and automation, like this is from stuff I've read. I was actually doing some research about like theater work because I did a gig. Um, but it's kind of the thing that people had been building to for a long time, like trying to figure out how to do like on the fly changes was like such a process with like like building consoles in the seventies and eighties and like through the nineties and stuff like that. This is kind of like it, it's like a culmination of like the achievement of all those engineers that have like put all the work into trying to figure this out to have consistent Mm. shows, you know? Yeah. Especially in the theater, in theater stuff. Absolutely. You know, so, so speaking of theaters though, I mean, the workflow for things like scene and stuff like that, scenes and, and snapshots in theater is really different than Maunders versus front of house versus, versus Maunders plus front of house. They're all kind of different ways that this stuff gets used. So, you know, Brendan, I know you tour a lot on monitors and you use snapshots. Mm-hmm. So like what, what do you get out of using snapshots in monitors? I mean, the, the first thing is that I can do a unique mix for everybody per song. So like, you know, especially in artists where there's like playback plus the full band, and you know maybe sometimes like a court like a string quartet or something like that the songs dynamically change and like instrumentation changes blah 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 like i can dial in monitor mixes for everyone per song and have it like hit each time each at the beginning of each song or like even midway through a song if like a gospel choir comes in and that needs to be mm-hmm. kind of like brought down or like leveled out or like switch in people's ears what they're hearing at that moment i can like put those sub snapshots in and it like really helps because actually it helps me like focus especially with like having a lead singer or like a pop vocalist up front i'm like dead focused on her or his his in-ears basically i'm basically listening to them mm-hmm. the whole time but if i have snapshots that help me make those automatic changes for everybody else i can like get that perfect yeah. mix for the lead vocalist's ears and have everyone else be happy too. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. In in that context, it's it's almost like for the most part, you're kind of manually running that one artist that you're really paying attention to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure snapshots still affect that, but then everyone else that's kind of background, they kind of get sorted out by the snapshots for the most part. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it makes it so that your your two hands can actually cover what you're trying to do, especially if you get into scenarios where you've got like 16 mixes, Mm -hmm. there's no way you're going to be able to manually track a lot of those things. Yeah. I mean, so Joe, what about for you? Um, How is it different? Or is it different? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, uh, I don't know. I would say in in the context of like, if you have, you know, if you have more than one band and maybe you have limited or no sound checks, you know, festival, festival patches, stuff like that, um, they can be really useful. You can like, you can, you know, at the beginning of the day, kind of like ring out your 
get like a, a baseline, you know, re- get all your routing done, ring out your vocals even, you know, um, of where those lines are going to line up. And then you have something you can go back to or or even build on, you know, using the scope and uh, automation safe or whatever um, you can kind of, uh, you know, if you get a, a, a better vocal throughout the day, you know, um, you can kind of update right. that, um, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. drums, you know, especially, you know, they're sharing a kit, you know, um, so you can right. really dial it in and, and store as you go or, you know, reset if someone needs something like drastically different yeah. to like an established good sound. Um, so many possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially in the context of things like Festival Patch, it if you've got things overall sounding pretty good. And then band one comes up and they're like, no, we need tons of kick and snare everywhere yeah. and we need this, 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 this. Then you can kind of dial that in. And then when band two comes up, they're like, no, we actually don't need any drums anywhere. We just need a little bit of this vocal, and a little bit of this guitar. Rather than like restarting from scratch and, you know, building a whole new file, you just go new snapshot, pull all your faders down and kind of like rebuild their mix. But at least your tones are really good and, you know, you don't have to redo that every time. Yeah. And you don't have to re-ring out and all that stuff. Yeah. So... What's the perk of doing that in the snapshots first to file? I guess it's that you you it it I don't know what what's the perk there for you, Joe? Uh, it's it's generally a little bit easier to bounce between them, um, and 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 kind of all of that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff is like more readily available on the fly. I would say on the snapshots. and definitely easier to update too. Like let's say yeah. I don't know line number seventeen breaks or something, and you repatch that to line forty one. Yeah, all your snapshots will still work as long as you've scoped things appropriately. Exactly. That that's what I was going to say next. Also, the scoping. You don't really. I mean, like like we said, the, the the show file is everything, but it's really useful to be able to change some things, but not all. Yeah, yeah, can can we yeah. define scoping for people real quick? Just like a maybe we yeah. should. Yeah. yeah. So so what are the parameters of snapshots? I mean, Brendan, you want to just jump in? Like, what are the basics? I mean, of like what a snapshot is. Yeah, you've got like what what aspects of well, well, let's just start with what what is scope? Scope scope is is what the snapshot uh, what settings the snapshot is saving or recalling. Yeah, I was gonna say we actually have to be quite specific there because there's a there's a different thing. The right. scope is what the what the thing is looking at. Mm-hmm. There is recall scope and store scope. Some consoles will filter basically by recall scope. Some consoles will store by score, uh, store scope. Meaning, on some consoles, for example, the Avid desks, if you hit store, it stores everything. absolutely everything every time. Yeah. And then when you recall that snapshot, it is using the scope there. And it is going, okay, my... Scope says faders, mutes, and EQs on these 16 channels. And what it's going to do is it's going to pull those 16 channels of information from that snapshot that stored everything, and then it'll leave everything else, just like Joe said. That is recall scope. There are other consoles where it is actually a store scope, where you pick these 16 channels, and I don't know, faders, mutes, EQ, and when you hit store, it only stores that information. And then when you recall it, it's kind of recalling everything but since there's only data for those 16 channels that's the only stuff it's kind of like actually pulling into your file so just be aware that those are two different things and different console manufacturers work in different ways and then you've got certain console manufacturers that have both and you can do both and pick your store scope and pick your recall scope but i think once you get to that kind of level of depth you need to really 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 know what you're doing with modifying both of these at the same time Um, but yeah, it, it, it gets interesting and complicated. So, yes, 
scope. What are some of the uh, standard parameters that are available in scope, Brendan? Uh, you got EQ, dynamics, set aux sends. You got your head amp gain. Uh, what else? Kind of almost everything. Like everything, right? right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then I guess you can also scope individual channels, right? Individual channels, uh, all inputs, all right. VCAs, all groups, um, any of individual of these things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you choose. And then yeah. what do you, want? You, you tell it what to store or recall, essentially. Yeah. Right. And then you've got a function that allows you to keep certain things safe. Right. Joe, tell me about recall safe or automation safe. Recall automation safe, you know, essentially you... Uh, you know, like on an SC48, depending on how you have it configured, you click the little square above the channel on the uh, interface there, and it automation saves it. And then what basically happens is you can recall snapshots, and it w those channels won't be affected. So everything around them will, you know. So, for instance, you have a, a DJ, and it's like, you know... It, Everything kind of depends on the the, ryth the rhythm and flow of the show. And like a band mm -hmm. finishes and they kind of want like music to come right up after that. DJ comes right up after the band finishes. You know, you, you keep your uh, you keep your DJ on a on an automation safe channel, uh, bring them up right as the band finishes. You can then recall, you know, your your next band um, and not break audio. It's it's a mm -hmm. smooth transition, you know, everything um, Right. So in, right in that example, next. you'd you'd be you'd be recall safing or automation safing the DJ fader, basically. Exactly. All, all parameters of it. Yeah. Is is there anything else in particular you always uh, safe? Not always, I'd say. But uh, but but going back to like you know if Brendan's definitely got something. He's like, nope. Yeah, always. Okay. <laughs> what, what is it? Talk what back. is it? Talk I was back. Thinking, is yeah. It, right? Talk oh, back. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was just thinking, like, I was thinking? like, yeah, every time I show up at the independence, all, you know, like if, if someone had like, you know, erased all the scenes and there was like no talk, <laughs> you know, you're yeah. going into a venue and they had like erased where your talk back was and you got to like redo it. It'd be such a pain in the ass, you know? Yeah, so I literally don't know what input it's coming in on. So <laughs> it's coming in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, but I, since and, you get there, it's already there. And I'm, I, I'm talking about talk back between front of house and mono, you know, like yeah. you're, you're going back and forth yeah, and yeah, also yeah, yeah. talk backs to band usually don't change throughout a show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, even beyond talkbacks, you know, specifically for front of house for me, um, I use matrices to feed my PA. All my matrices are saved, right? Yeah. Because I don't want to hit a snapshot and have my matrices go up or make matrices go down um, or even change the maybe output EQ if there happens to be some there. Totally. So matrices are saved. Um, personally, I save my lead vocal uh, fader and mute uh, because that one I ride up and down the whole show. Mm -hmm. Things like sends and effects and, and EQs and other things might change, but the fader and mute, I manually do that myself. I also keep, you know, my mains fader uh, saved. Mm -hmm. um, I also keep a band VCA saved. I keep my effects VCA saved because those are all things I want to manually be in control of all the time. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Uh, it, and it's not that, not that you have to do that. It's just a thing that works for me. And yeah. You know, scope a bunch of other stuff. So, actually, I guess now that I've mentioned that, you know, generally when I when I'm speaking about this, I'm speaking about this from the perspective of front of house. So, in terms of what snapshots do for me for front of house, it's like Brendan said, it's unique mixes per song, right? And I might be working with an artist, you know, as as Brendan said, there may be some playback, right? The playback from the records from the '90s 
sounds very, very different from the playback from the record from 2010. Right. And, you know, maybe that's loudness wars. Maybe it's just, you know, general change in, in how things work. But most of the more recent stuff is a lot more dense. There's a lot more stuff happening. A lot of the older stuff, it's a lot more uh, spacious and a lot less, you know, compressed or whatnot. Yeah. And I can't just put that fader up and have it be okay. I, there's a lot of kind of finagling you have to do to make sure that when they're playing live, it still has the same intensity when they're playing a, an older song versus a newer song. So that might mean I have a snapshot that not only brings those faders up and down uh, for the various bits of playback, but it might also change EQ. It might also add a little bit of compression on some of the older tracks or, you know, less on the newer ones. Actually, I don't think I compress any of the newer ones, but you know what I mean. Don't need to. To kind of, you know, just bring them together. Yeah. Uh, and then additionally, I have my tempos to a T match to exactly what any of the playback may have been or even if there isn't playback if i know that the drummer's using a metronome when he's playing on stage my tempos are exactly to what he's playing um, i also might have snapshots that change the general tonality or panning or levels when it hits a chorus versus a verse uh, reverb lengths or reverb like intensities levels might be uh, maybe a little longer, a little bit um, totally, yeah. bigger during, you know, ballady verses or something. And then they get shorter and lower in level during choruses. Yeah. And then also I use snapshots to make layout changes of my faders on the console. Now, not every console lets you do that, but in a song where I know the acoustic guitar might be something I have to ride up and down throughout the song, that acoustic guitar is right in front of me on the layout. When I go to a song where I know that we're not playing the music, the acoustic, that I might hit a snapshot where it mutes that acoustic, and that acoustic is no longer on the layer in front of me. Instead, maybe the piano is there because the piano has a solo or something like that during the song. Mm -hmm. So I, I use the hell out of snapshots, probably yeah. way more than I need to. I mean, in some songs, I might have 10 snapshots in one song. And some of them might be really simple. It might be like just the gates on the snare drum go off during this little section because it's, it's all snare rolls or something. And then as soon as it gets back to the chorus, the gates all turn back on so that it's nice and tight. Mm -hmm. um, or it might be one moment where I don't know it gets to the bridge and all of a sudden the vocal reverb needs to be really long and really big and I can have the snapshot make that change because for me to manually go in go to that reverb plugin or go to that reverb hardware or whatever change the time to you know three and a half seconds and then as soon as that section ends change find it again and change it back to you know one and a half seconds or whatever it, that's impossible so the snapshot makes those changes for me so yeah i probably end up with way more snapshots than i need work smart not hard yeah yeah well i mean also i'm fortunate that i can build all that because i have a lot of rehearsal time or have a lot of time where i'm in front of the desk when the artist isn't there and i can kind of build and try these things out yeah it's a lot harder to do that kind of complexity if you just don't have the time. Right, right. Or if you're mixing, so, Brandon. What about? Yeah. Or sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, or, or like if you're mixing the band one time, you know, like you right, know, obviously, right. Yeah, you know. totally. But so, so, Brandon, what about theater? Theater's a whole different world. Tell me what you learned this past week doing some theater gigs. Yeah, I I kind of jumped into this theater production, and it's the kind of the first time I've done a live one. I did like a recorded one a little while ago, but um, basically, I learned that. DCA assignments and being able to switch DCAs per scene and even like, yeah, like we're saying halfway through a scene or like five times in a scene is super important because I mean, at least in our production and some of the, the big like Broadway ones, they've got, you know, they've got like 40 wireless mics, like on people, right. ours had 18, which is still good amount. 
and it had playback and a full band, blah, blah, blah. So basically, like, you're using omnidirectional capsules with PA. Definitely big possibility of feedback if you've got a bunch of them open at the same time. So you want basically anyone who's not talking completely dead off, you know? Yeah. And, and that's how you well, get... And, and there's also the factor of you typically have two actors facing each other talking, yeah. right? And if they're both getting picked up by both microphones, you get this crazy phasing sound. Yeah. So you manually end up pushing up one person's line and then pushing up the other person's line and pushing, going back and exactly. forth. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the technique through the whole show. You know, you're, you're cueing scenes to bring up the people that you need and also like making sure that when it pops up, that person is the first person to talk is the first fader that's already up, you know, so you can dial it in right. like that. And then you have to also be reading the script and then be bringing up the fader. So the automation just like, I don't, I couldn't have done it without being able to automate my DCAs right. for the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One thing, one thing to make really clear there is that um, rather than Brendan chasing every single actor that happens to come on during this scene. Maybe in this scene, it's Sally, Bob, and Jim. Next scene, it's Joanne, Michael, and I'm never going to remember these names, but, you know, it's a different <laughs> bunch of people. You're not trying to chase each of those people on their individual faders. Yeah. Instead, you're assigning them to DCAs so that in scene one, the three people that are on there are on those three DCAs. So your fingers can stay on those three DCAs and move them up and down. Yep. Then when you hit next scene, the next three people that might be on stage assigned to those DCAs and all the other microphones end up muting. Yeah. And and, and you, that's where you get the value out of it. Yeah, and you set it up so that like the last person to talk in the previous scene is up and when you switch that fader is still up and that's the first person from the next scene. Right. Yeah. And and realistically, if you were doing this without scenes, you'd then be trying to find the people that just walked off stage, muting them unmute the people who came on stage and also you'd need to know who's about to be in this scene every yeah. single time yeah and for clarity uh it is absolutely called scenes in theater because <laughs> they are totally tied with the scene that is happening mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah right yeah. right so yeah the theater workflow it's like it's like a marathon honestly mm -hmm. like i've i've sat behind broadway engineers while they're doing this and it is just next 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 and they're just riding up and down and up and down and up and down literally every single word or every single yeah. line and it is like i mean they have a script in front of them and they are following it so that they know who's speaking when and their hands are just already on those faders yeah i've even seen where people aren't pressing next they're using a foot pedal so they don't have to take their hands off of it wow that would you know, be things nice. like that yeah. because you can't you can't miss one word. If you miss yeah. one word, the story might get lost, and that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, even if it's like, you know, we in the beginning scene that we were doing, there was just like four people talking at the same time. It was kind of supposed to be like a jarbled like thing. A little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah but like even having, like I missed it in the rehearsals a few times because I, you know, some was playback, some was people, and it still, it threw off the show, you know, <laughs> like not having yeah. those people up. And yeah, it, it, it you just... It helps so much to be on top of it, you know. Like it. Yeah. Whereas for, for me in a concert, it's like if if the singer switches to a different mic and I miss the first word, she'll just be like, "Can you hear me?" And I'll be like, "Cool," <laughs> and we keep yeah. on moving fast. Yeah. Not yeah. that I should do that, but it's happened before. <laughs> and you can you can live with it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that would work that well in a theater show. If someone's like, "Can you hear me?" <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> might might throw you off. It's not in the script. Especially if they're going to the click in the band, you know. It's moving. You oh can't my gosh. stop. It's, you know? Yeah, I know. It's it's pretty intense. So so in an equal level of intensity, Monders plus front of house from one desk. 
Yeah. That is, that's complicated stuff. And it, it's kind of high pressure. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, every time I've done it, I like kind of get one set up and then just pay attention to the other one for basically the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, with I mean, very minimal checking back on the other, you know? <laughs> yeah. In my, in my experience doing this lots of times, it's usually like try and set monitors as good as you possibly can. And like, if and then do- that's it. Yeah. And, and, and then that, and, and like cross your fingers during the show. I mean, depending on how intense the show is, you might be able to make some changes on the fly. But if you're also, if it's also an intensive show at front of house or you're far away, you're kind of like up a creek with being able to right. make people changes. Back to those hand signals. You know what I mean? But, I mean, but that's but, where snapshots actually become valuable though, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you could use snapshots to be able to make monitor changes while you're mixing the front of house for the show. Yeah. I mean, you could use it to, to, to be making front of house and monitor changes. Maybe you hit yeah. a song where suddenly, as you had mentioned, there's a gospel choir that kicks in for this section. And in that moment, a bunch of mics need to turn down or need to turn up or whatever. You can actually hit that off a snapshot and have it affect monitors as well as still being able to manually run in front of house. I mean, mm-hmm. well, there's, there's got to be more to that, that Joe, though. There's, there's certainly more value there. So what do you, what do you got? You know, uh, in my experience, if you're doing monitors from front of house, it's typically, you know, you're not you're not in like the most most professional like or at the biggest show. You know what I mean? You don't have a lot of resources or a lot of time and maybe you didn't even sound check. So a lot of the shit's on the fly and like being able to, you know, build, you know, start like, yeah, ring out your monitors, get get the vocals going um, and and have something to go back to and then kind of update as you're going. Um, it's just really yeah. valuable. I mean, it, yeah, it that, can, that's that's a good point. It can be a game. It can be a game changer, though, for like, you know, lower budget things that maybe, maybe you get a rehearsal day in, but maybe like they don't have the budget for a monitor engineer, right? Exactly. And, and it is. It could be a high pressure show, yeah. and I mean, like for me at least, it was a show with dance, so like the scene changes had to be like exact, and they had to they had to hear exactly what they needed to. So. We were in a venue that had a monitor was going to have a monitor engineer, but I I honestly didn't want to put it on them to like remember all the scenes, which yeah, I, I could have because we weren't going to have enough time like to nail it in during sound check at the venue. We had yeah, to nail it in right. rehearsals before, so mm-hmm. we just went song by song, save, save, save every time, yeah. update, blah blah blah, you know, so that we could have it like. Nine, at least ninety five percent of the way there. Once we got it, you know, and and that that even aligns with with the way things seem to go these days with with bands owning their own monitor rigs, mm-hmm. big time. There's so yeah. many of them, right? It's it's not that expensive to own something like an X thirty two rack and a couple in years. Yeah. No, and, and you see and it it's all flyable. The time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, total, totally. I mean, in that situation too, I I would like uh, with this gig, we could have done that, but we we did do that. But but what I think would take it to the next level with those, and and what I like seeing people do is like band, bands having their little iPhone, they can like change their mix on the fly if they need right. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as long as it's not a complete disaster, you know, you could use that to, to make it happen. Totally. And then even in addition to that though, you know, if you own this rig and you're rehearsing with this rig, you get stuff dialed in and you can get it dialed on, dialed in to be unique mixes per song yeah. and kind of cover all these things we're talking about. Right. Even yeah. at the most basic yeah. level, like muting unused channels and un- right. unmuting, yeah. you know, um, right. Yeah. For this song, you grab an acoustic guitar. Yeah. As soon as you're done with that song, you put it down. Yeah. It needs to be muted. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, hopefully you've got like a tuner pedal and you just do it yourself and you're sorted. <laughs> right. But, but you know, but, 
So then, then comes the complexity of, you know, well, how do you trigger it, right? And you've got a couple options, right? If you're standing in front of a console, you just hit next. That's easy. Mm-hmm. If you're not and you're using this as a remote rig, you might need to use a MIDI controller. Yeah. Uh, it could be a MIDI controller. If, like, if you're already playing a keyboard on stage, you can set, I don't know, some of the pads or something. So when you hit that, that triggers a scene. Mm-hmm. If you're playing an SPD on stage, you can set, you know, the top row pads to be previous, recall, next, or something like yeah. that. Maybe maybe you can skip recall. Not really necessary. If, if you've got mm-hmm. Tracks in Ableton, you can set up a dummy clip that triggers scene changes. At least right. in the X32, that's what I did. Yeah, and, and that even leads into where where most of my shows go with it. We use timecode. Mm-hmm. And we're using timecode because often we have video content. So the video content already has timecode anyways. And the video content needs to be in sync with what we're playing on stage. So when they hit play on playback, even if it's a song that has no playback, it needs to be set up so that there's, you know, four clicks, the song starts, because that's when the video starts. Mm, cool. um, so we use things like the LTC or MTC uh, to trigger snapshots so that they are dead on in time with the song. And our lighting team uses it too. All their lights are dead on in time with the song by syncing it with timecode. Were you about to say something, Joe? I was just saying, is this kind of like a good segue to get into kind of the layer between those two things, you know, the layer between the the triggering and the and the snapshot itself, because there is a layer there. Tell me more. Well, you know, the macros events, I guess thing. You know, like that's is that not how you'd set something like that up? Uh, actually, no. Uh, in in the context of that, I can actually just set uh, snapshots so that as soon as they receive a, a MTC or LTC, they just trigger at that time. Well, I'm an idiot then, and we'll hold <laughs> off. But the thing is, you might be right, because maybe not every console can do that. So, yeah, let's talk about what events and macros are. Right. Uh, slightly different. want to talk about it? Sure. Slightly different than uh, a snapshot in the sense that it's still it part of the show file. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Um, but instead of, uh, instead of, like, storing specific parameters of the, the audio portion of the console, you know, the EQ, fader level, this or that, you're kind of setting up um, kind of like a one-button push scenario or two-button. You're setting up a trigger and, and, an, and essentially an event that happens when you, when you trigger it. So if it's a foot right. pedal or a button on the console, you hit it, and then it does this. And that can be a right. hundred things. That could be triggering a whole snapshot. That could be... What else? <laughs> it, it, it could be, yeah, um, any, any of a million things, yeah. Uh, so I guess the difference between how people typically use a macro and events versus a snapshot is that for the most part, you want a macro to be quick access. You want it to be right in front of you. So it may be a foot pedal, as you said. It may be a big button on the console. It may be something else. Um, you know, you can literally use GP, uh, GPIO, Um to, to trigger these things. You could use MIDI to trigger these things, whatever it may be. But the typical difference is that it is a, for the most part, singular function that happens one time, and it happens when you press this. So some common uses are you press a macro or an event, and it maybe switches your lead vocal to the spare microphone, maybe because the mic went out. And, you know, yes, you could have a second fader that is your spare, um, and that would be fine. But what if you have hardware in line with it? Or what if there's a bunch of plug-in processing? Yeah. It might actually be in your best interest. Or what if you have a bunch of snapshots that are doing things to that lead vocal? Right. It might be in your best interest to actually flip-flop the input patch of those so that your spare is now patched into your main and your main is now patched into your spare. Mm-hmm. And that that is how I do it. I actually flip-flop the patch just in case that main ever comes back. Mm-hmm. Then we still have a spare. And the spare is the old main, if that makes sense. Right. Um, 
you know, so. That's one example. Uh, you could use it for plenty of other stuff. You could press uh, an event or a macro and have it turn off all the gates on your drum kit. Because maybe there's a drum solo happening right. and he's about to do something crazy and you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to turn that all off just in case it gets really quiet. All sorts of stuff. But for the most part, those things are kind of one-shot things. You hit them, it does this thing. Maybe you hit it again, it undoes that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Are, Were you going to say something? Even like a lot of times tap tempos and things like that are yeah. are created with events. You know, you yeah. assign a button to trigger the tap tempo. Sometimes you have to set them up. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Some some desks have a dedicated button for that kind of thing. Some desks don't. Um, some desks make it seem like you have to write code to be able to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. I There's think a I, I think I know silver desk that, that is <laughs> just, really really yeah, yeah. really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> to set this up. yeah. I don't know why we decided in this episode to not talk about specific brands or things because we've been doing this for a really long time yeah. and, and talking a lot of shit about specific brands. So yeah, we're in sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Sponsorship yeah, zone. exactly. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. talk Speaking anymore. of sponsorship zone, not to totally throw things off, but uh, shout out to Rational Acoustics for sponsoring all of our episodes now. Yes. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, if you haven't checked them out, I think it's rationalacoustics.com. They make smart software, which we use all the time. Flattered? Well, I do. These guys don't. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Right. Uh, yeah. Flattered, confused, because I'm an idiot, and uh, thankful, you know. Cool stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, so where were we? We were talking about scoping stuff within Monders plus front of house, and then we were talking about LTC for time code yeah, and various opinion. triggering things. You know, one thing I do want to point out, if you're doing Monders and front of house from one desk, you are able to, if you've set things up this way, scope only the monitor stuff mm-hmm. or scope only the front of house stuff by doing things like setting up your uh, scope so that it only hits maybe the aux sends to a couple members of the band or all members of the band or you can set up your scope so that it only affects the inputs that are going to monitors or inputs that are going to front of house things like that so there are ways for you to scope this out so that you can do things that kind of happen quote unquote in the background if you're mixing front of house and the monitors change uh, sends can still get changes happening to them yeah did i did i word that really stupid or did that make sense i think it was fine no i think it makes sense (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) so the next bit is, is this is the scary part, is how do you actually build snapshots for a show that you are running, right? Because, like, getting a mix-up and, and making it sound good and all that is, is we've, we've talked about that over, what, 23 episodes now or something yeah. like that. So when you go from having a mix that sounds good to using a mix that uses snapshots, what are the steps? And, and Brendan, if you don't mind, like, jumping into monitors specifically, how do you do that? Sure. And do you do it during rehearsal? Do you during, do it during shows? What if you don't have rehearsal time? How would you start to put that together? So I would start by, I mean, hopefully you have rehearsals and or you're just at a sound check, either way. But if you're going to go song by song and make your edits so that you can have like unique mixes per song for each band member, um, you'd basically want to get all your sounds pretty much dialed in as close as you can by when you're going through line checks with each instrument. And then as they go through the songs, just like, you know, you can make send changes to everybody based on what they want. And at the end of that song, you hit save, save that snapshot, move on to the next song. Um, The things that come up is that like maybe the sound of the bass or the sound of the instruments change throughout the, the rehearsal. And in that case, 
there's a couple of things you can do. I mean, before I knew more about scopes and stuff like that, what I would do is if I got deep into a sound check and I liked the sound better than before, and I, I would save that, that channel as a preset. And then I'd go back to my other snapshots and just load it up. Load the preset. Save again, yeah. you know? Nice. That's kind of like an M32 workflow. Yeah. I mean, that could work on any desk. Yeah. It really could. Yeah. So that's one thing you could do. Or you can do the, you know, the recall safe, that channel for those attributes, and then go back to the snapshot, save it again, go back, you know, and then you go back to the where you were. So, so in the context of your, like, let's say you're going through a rehearsal, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the band playing, you've built a pretty good mix. And then the band starts asking for song specific changes. Mm -hmm. What is your first step there? My first step. I mean, I, I imagine it is, okay, cool. Now we have to make a snapshot for this song. Right. Right. And you, you make that snapshot. I assume you would store everything you already have into that yes. snapshot. Yeah. I'd store everything. And then, uh, I would, I would, uh, scope for those specific, if, if I guess it kind of depends, like usually I'm starting and I'm scoping, I'm scoping pretty much everything so that each, and I'm making snapshots for each song. But if we're going through and I haven't been do, I guess if I hadn't been doing that, I would like scope it for those changes that I'm going to make for that song and then move on to the next snapshot. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back to the older songs, it would be like the same as it was before. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, totally makes sense. I mean, that's, that's, so, you know, typically I'm building this stuff for front of house, right? And, and I, I find it interesting to kind of hear how everybody does this stuff, right? So my workflow is really, really similar. So I'm going to get everything so that it sounds good overall. And if I had no snapshots, everything would still sound good, if you will, you know, quote unquote, good for yeah. the mix. And once I'm there, that's when I want to start getting into song specific stuff. Now, when we're doing rehearsals, we're never playing stuff in order. We're always just like, oh, we're going to hit this song. Ah, we're going to jump to that one. We're going to jump to that one. And then when we build set lists, the set lists are always in a completely different order than we started our rehearsals in. And that can be a little bit complicated when it comes to building snapshots. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is, you know, again, get the mix kind of in a good spot where everything feels pretty good. Then I'm going to find out the largest list of songs we might play. All of them. I'm like, okay, cool. It's anything from this list of 40 songs. And later it's going to trim down to much fewer, right? And I'm going to make a snapshot for all of those songs. Just all I'm going to do is name it. Mm -hmm. Nothing is going to be scoped in it, but it's just going to have the name. Mm -hmm. Now, as we start going through the rehearsal, and I start like like uh, finding, okay, in this song, here's something a little bit more unique I want to do. I want to push the toms up because in this song, there's a bunch of like like low tom stuff that like just rolls through the verses. And maybe I want the reverbs a little shorter. What I'm going to do is in that... I'm going to go to that song name, and I'm going to hit store. Now, uh, I use Avid consoles. And again, Avid's store everything and only recall what you tell them to recall. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have nothing lit up in my scope. So it's going to recall nothing, but I'm going to store everything there. right? So I'll store that on that song. And then when we go to another song, I might tweak some more stuff, tweak some more stuff. Cool, this song now feels really good. I'm going to hit store. And then we're going to go to the next song, blah, 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 blah. And once I feel these are all pretty good, I might come back and start turning things on, like faders, mutes, uh, and, and maybe some sends. Uh, when I say turning things on, I mean turn it on in the scope. 
Yeah. So that when we go back to that song, it's going to recall those few things. Faders, right. mutes, uh, maybe auxens, and maybe EQs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, I'm not like blowing things away every time. In fact, if as we go through the rehearsal, my drum sounds as a whole do get better, I'm not recalling them when I go back to those songs. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And by doing that, in theory, if I turned on the scope for everything uh, on any of those songs... I should be in a spot where I thought the song sounded good because I saved it with all that there. It's just that I turned off the the recall for it. So for me, it kind of works as a building up. I'm saving stuff on these songs and saving stuff on these songs and saving stuff on these songs. And then eventually I'm coming back to them and starting to turn on things that are recalls. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like being able to go back afterward and kind of like, yeah, continuously go through it and fine tune it as you go and as you, because right. it, it's it's a lot to, it's a lot to keep track of and be aware of and you're not going to like, you're not going to know, potent, you know, potentially like every single nuance of the mix for that song at, you know, the right. first time you hear it, you know, so it's right that, so the process of kind of, you know, going back and, and retweaking it is uh, right huge. Well, so so the other thing is is that, you know, for the most part, consoles these days are able to record really, really easily. Yeah. You know, most of them you plug either just a USB cable into it, an Ethernet cable, or, you know, an MGB, that kind of thing into it. You can fully multitrack this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, as you know, at the end of that rehearsal day one, the band goes home, and I stay for another six hours. Mm -hmm. And during those six hours, I go back to those snapshots, and I play that song, and I actually might then turn on the recall of everything and I'll turn on the recall. Well, not literally everything, but turn on a bunch more stuff. And at that point I listen to it and I go, does this sound good? And I sit and I tweak and tweak and tweak to make it very specific to that song. Mm -hmm. Then I store it. Then I go to the next song and I might again, turn on the recall of a bunch more stuff to get back to that state of like where it was quote unquote good earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, tweak and then go to the next song, go to the next song. Well, the band's not there, so there's no pressure of me having to try and keep up with them. Yeah. And then in theory, on rehearsal day two, I can actually hit next, 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 or just recall these songs. And I shouldn't be afraid that like things are suddenly going to get muted because I did this in virtual sound check and things didn't get muted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, in theory, my... my uh, it's your own little rehearsal. It's kind of my own little rehearsal, yeah. And in theory, my snapshots have gotten better and better and more unique to each of those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's kind of my way through it. And then when it comes to actually doing the show, before the show even starts, I might switch to virtual sound check. And this is you know during our sound check, or just actually during our sound check, I hit next, 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 and run through all of them to make sure I didn't accidentally do something dumb where like, you know, in rehearsal, there might be the PA muted because maybe I'm listening on headphones or listening on small speakers. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I never hit something where it accidentally mutes my PA. Yeah. But if we go back to the whole thing of recall safes, uh, usually my PA matrices are saved, my mains are saved, my mm-hmm. band VCA, my lead vocal, my effects VCA. I have a bunch of things safe that in theory... I could never get in that problem. Yeah. But, you know, it's still terrifying when you hit the first note of the first song of the first show of the tour. Yeah. And you hit next and you're just, you're nervous. (laughs) Once you get like three, four songs in, you're like, "Ah, that's fine. Yeah. 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 And then at that point, you're probably going to hit something that's going to blow everything up. But, you know. (laughs) The second you get comfortable, it's you're going to get to the one. The second you get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so that's the difference between rehearsal and show for me, though. And it's definitely Go like a, like a building, like at least for me on monitors, it's a building process. Like each show 
there's little tweaks that happens in the sound check before each show. And I'll usually save those. And, you know, at least in the last tour, like each night seemed to be better than the last one, you know, like there were less, you know, issues. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it kind of and builds you, as you go. You know, a good point to make that I feel like, um, not I feel like, I know many people don't do. I save the file as a different file every single day. Me too. And mm -hmm. the reason I do that is because when I'm maybe doing an outdoor gig versus doing an indoor club gig, um, I can't really build off of the indoor club gig in the same way I could build off the outdoor gig. If the next gig's another outdoor one, it's probably better for me to use an outdoor show file versus an indoor show file. But yeah. also, if I end up getting and digging myself into a hole and getting into a bad spot, I want to be able to go back to a show file that was good and was okay. <laughs> yeah. But if I'm just saving over my file every day, I do not have the ability to do that. Yeah. And that also means, you know, my snapshots are saved in that file. So if I want to go back to an older one, or even if, if someone on stage says, you know what, I liked it better last week and now it's just weird, um, I can go back to last week's file and maybe import a snapshot or just use that file or, you know, find some way to make this work where we still have that old information saved. Yeah. And the only way you can really do that is by saving a different file every day. Yeah. Or if you're coming In multiple places. Back your shit up, y'all. In multiple yeah. places, yeah. Yep. And if you're coming yeah, back I, to the uh, same venues, then, you know, mm -hmm. you, ha you even have that same show file from the same venue or festival or whatever. It, it can help. True. It can help, especially if you've got super limited time for, you know, sound checks. And, you know, one thing to make a, a good point of, though, is, you know, we're talking about all this stuff with snapshots and show files and things like that. The assumption here is that, you know, obviously you've got the same console over and over again, right? Yeah. But there's also another inherent assumption here. It's that your microphones are the same or your sources are the same. Like if you're using different guitar amps on these days versus another day, you do want to be really aware that your snapshots and scenes might be a little bit screwed up by that. Yeah. Or if yeah. you're using different microphones, they might be a little bit screwed up by that. So just be aware that it's not like everything is automatically fixed by having this, you know? Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, but, but even then there's still the kind of utilitarian uses, you know, mutes, totally. uh, just like fader up or down or like, you know, auxes on or off kind of thing, you know, you yeah. can, all that can go into something like a snapshot and just, you know, make you that much faster, I guess. So, you know, if, if you were to tell somebody that wants to use snapshots for the first time ever, and they've always been a little bit scared of it, if you were to tell them, like, this is the way to kind of start, would you suggest, you know, just scope faders and mutes yeah. and only scope maybe inputs totally. or something like if, that? Yeah, if that, if that, you know, like may, maybe even yeah. just mutes, you know what I mean? Um, right. Depending on the context, it's, uh, you know, if you're at a venue or, you know, working with a band or whatever. But, yeah, start, start small. Um, practice with it on your off time when it doesn't, you know, matter as much. Practice with it right. as much as you can. Just like really get to know your console. Like that's that's totally. huge. You know, for everything, obviously, but especially with this kind of stuff because it, you know it gets a little dicey going between them and you know the different terminology and um, you know pay, pay very close attention to the the scoping stuff. Um, yeah. That, that and can, and I would suggest start with less scoped and then slowly build up to getting more scoped. Right, right. And just, you know, hyper-awareness of all that stuff. Uh, you're, you're probably going to mess one up, you know, uh, once or twice starting out in your career. and uh, Yeah, and hopefully you do it during a rehearsal yeah. rather than at a show, but, you yeah. know, shit yeah. happens. It shit happens. And, like, you know, it's there. It's Especially there for, on a particular console. Yeah, it's there for a reason. It can make your life a lot easier. And, um, you know. Yeah, the, the benefits out, once you get past the scariness, the benefits are... Massive. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a pretty good, you know, light intro into snapshots. I think if we wanted to get really in depth, we could. So maybe we'll save that for another episode and like talk about some of the really, really valuable things that can happen inside of a snapshot that are pretty much impossible for you to do outside of one. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. This is like the first time we've ever finished a full outline that we did, you know, instead of breaking it into two instead parts. Break- <laughs> right, right. We kind of blasted. All right, guys. Well, thank you all again so much for listening to Live Sound Bootcamp. Um, if you have any questions, comments, want to get in touch with us, uh, a few people have over the past few weeks, and we, you know, we're stoked to hear feedback. And you know, if you guys have stuff you want us to go over not, on the show, not actual feedback. Sorry, uh, were yeah. you making the sound? No. Yes, I made the sound. <laughs> I, oh, you, I actually, yeah, okay, great. You that almost was, did it, didn't you? I, no, I just, I, I thought it was actually happening. I was like, no, there's no way that it happened right at that moment. <laughs> That's amazing. Like your headphones came unplugged or something. I'm going to set up the SPD good. with sound effects for the next episode. Sound effects of feedback? Oh, well, no, I'll, please don't. Every time you mention, every time you mention chimes with lots of reverb, I'm going to have that queued up. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's like everyone's favorite and, and least favorite sound at the same time. <laughs> every time I have a, a drummer sound checking... They always somehow are like, SPD, yeah, let's do the chimes. Damn it. (laughs) You never use it in this set, ever. And that's the one thing you want to check. I like the chimes. It's a magical sound. Uh, No, I like them too. That's why it's like funny. Because like, I think we all like, like it a little bit, but at the same time, it's somehow annoying. Yeah. I had I had a drummer when I was doing monitors. He was like, "Dude, my chimes sounded so weird today. Like, are you doing something to them? Were you putting effects?" I was like, "No, I don't think so." And he went back. He's later. He was like, "Oh yeah, there was like a phaser on them, like on on that speed." (laughs) Oh god. Bro, All right. Anyways, so weird, bro. Anyways, yeah. chimes aside, if you want to get in touch, email us live sound bootcamp at what 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 am I saying? He doesn't know. Feedback. He doesn't even know the there you go. Feedback, Feedback at livesoundbootcamp.com. Right. Or hit us up on the Facebook group, join there. And uh yeah. Uh thanks again to Rational Acoustics for sponsoring the episode. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Take it easy. Thanks again to our sponsor, Rational Acoustics. Visit www.rationalacoustics.com for information on sales, training, and all things system measurement.